0: we are so grateful that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are invited into your presence. I pray, Lord, that as we commune with you today in the presence of the Spirit, that you would open our eyes, that we could see wonderful things in your word, Lord, that you would challenge and change us by the power of your word. And that our response to you, Father, would bring your glory, would bring you glory, and would advance your kingdom cause. It's in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I have to tell you that one of my favorite things about Valentine's Day is when we have... Valentine's Day videos with the kids, and they remind us that it's not Valentine's, it's Valentine's. Don't you love that? (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day has always been one of my favorites. It takes me back to think about some of the things that my guys, when they were little, uh, didn't say exactly right, but you just want to hold on to it because it is just so precious. Uh, In our series, Immeasurably More, We have essentially been talking about the gap that we experience between the life that God designed us to live, which as Jesus termed it, the abundant life, and actually the one we're living day by day. The reason there's a gap, or we we sense there's a gap, is because the, the truth is there's so many times where we find ourselves riding on the struggle bus. Where it's, it's just not clicking. And so we wonder, where is God and what's going on? And what we've discovered in this series is the key to the life that we were created to live. As we have said, is union with Christ. Okay, It, it is union with Christ. It is Christ in us bringing His power to bear, helping us to live the victorious life we were created for. Now, our anchor passage of Scripture has been Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. And here's what it says. Now, to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, Paul's message to the Ephesians is that only God, only God is able to do immeasurably more. Only God. Okay, so we can't make that happen. Okay, that's not our department. That is God's department. And when we try to manufacture immeasurably more, which we're always tempted to do because our culture is always sending us the message, try harder, do better, learn more, stretch, the whole thing. When we try, things go poorly. Just as Solomon predicted in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, he wrote these words, "...there is a way that appears to be right." But in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that we think we should go to establish the life that we've always wanted, but that way only leads to the death of that life. It doesn't work when we are trying to manufacture it. Only God, who created us for this abundant life, knows the way, and only God shows the way. He wants it for us. Listen, if you've ever doubted that God wants the best life for you, that's what he wants. He wants it for you. And he will do immeasurably more than all we can ask, expect, or imagine to guide, equip, and empower us to live that life, to realize the life we dream of because God put that dream in our hearts. But it is only made possible through union with him. We can't manufacture it. There's a way that it seems like we could, but that way leads to death. It is completely dependent upon him. And listen to this. The stronger the union we have with God, the more of his power we experience. The stronger the union we have with God, the more of his power we experience. But here's the deal God isn't going to foist himself or impose his plan on us. Okay, as C.S. Lewis observes in the screw tape letters, God doesn't use the weapon of his irresistibility in trying to establish union with us. You know that God could make himself irresistible. You know God could impose himself on us. But he doesn't use that weapon. He doesn't override human will. Because it would be useless for strengthening our union. As Lewis puts it, God doesn't ravish, he woos. Why? Because he wants us to want to love him. He wants us to be caught up in the dream of his presence. To overwhelm, to ravish, or impose would be a violation of our free will. And if our free will is compromised, then so is the strength of our union. See, as J.P. read that scripture today, I realized this is... This is ordained because we're talking about the same thing. Our union is based upon and grows in love. Our union with God is based upon and grows in love. And in the absence of free will, there is no love. You know that, right? In the absence of free will, there is no love. If we we lived under a dictator who manipulated us and made us worship, serve, and love him, guess what? We wouldn't. We wouldn't. We may bow down to him. We may serve him in fear, but we wouldn't love him. True worship, service, and love is an act of the self-will. It is an intention of our hearts. And God wants us to love Him. God wants us to love Him, worship, and serve Him. And that love provides the foundation for our life-changing union with Christ. In the absence of that love, the union struggles. And we find ourselves on the struggle bus. Listen, here's the bottom line. When we love God, there are some things that we will do in love. And those things, in response to our intention to strengthen our union with him, those things will determine the strength of that union. It is our will, our resolve, and our actions in relationship with him then that facilitate the potency of that bond and all the potential of immeasurably more. That's exactly what Jesus was explaining to his disciples in the upper room the night before his crucifixion. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, and we're going to look at a portion of what Jesus said to his disciples to help them understand, look, there's, there's something that you need to be doing. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. One of the great I am statements in the book of John, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful, immeasurably more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, outside of union with me, you can do nothing. And if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. See, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit... Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, in verse 3, Jesus says that it's his words that make us clean. In other words, his words graft us into the vine of life and immeasurably more. They, his words give us vitality and fruitfulness. Okay? And what is his word about? It's the good news. His life is death, and resurrection are the source of the life we long for, and they are the means to union with Him. We could not be in union with a dead God, right? And so, since Jesus was raised for eternity, He is alive, and we are in union with Him. And you know what He said when He died on the cross? He said, it is One of the implications of that statement is that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done to establish union with us. Everything. It is finished. He could have said, I am finished. I have done my part. But listen, we have the responsibility to respond. It's our responsibility. And the key to this passage in grasping our responsibility is verse 4. Look at verse 4 of John 15. He says, remain in me. That's a command. You remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must be. Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Remember when we said that's God's department? You can't bear fruit unless you remain in him. Now, listen. We don't have to worry about what he's going to do. Because he's already done it. That's in the past. It is finished. Remember? For those who received his offer of life through grace, placing their faith in the word he has spoken in the gospel good news. For those who have received his amazing grace by faith, he is going to remain in us. He's going to remain in you. He's not going anywhere. His presence... His part of the union is secure. It is unquestioned. And listen to me. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It is ours by the amazing grace of God. But there is something we must do. Now, you may object saying, whoa, 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 we know it's about grace. And grace, if it's really grace, then there's nothing we have to do. It wouldn't be grace if there was something we had to do, right? Well, well let me say that's a, that's a misunderstanding. As Jesus intimated in verse 4, God's grace invites and even requires our participation. It invites and requires our participation. As the late great philosopher Dallas Willard was fond of saying, grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Now, that's a fabulous statement. You want to read it with me? Grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. It's true. We don't earn Jesus presence. We don't earn our way onto the vine but we must be determined to stay there. We must be determined to abide there and that requires effort. It requires effort. Do you remember a couple of series ago we focused on Second Peter chapter one verse five that begins this way? For this very reason, make every effort. It's our responsibility. Did you know that when Jesus was talking about the narrow road in Luke chapter thirteen verse twenty four, he says that we must strive to enter the narrow gate. We must make every effort to enter the narrow gate. Grace is opposed to earning. It is not opposed to effort. As Jesus went on to say in this passage of Scripture, if we choose not to abide in Him, if we don't do our part to strengthen our union with Him, then we can do nothing. Nothing as in, we can't do anything to generate the fruit of the immeasurably more life. As he teaches in verse 6, look at verse 6 of chapter 15. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If we don't remain in Him, if we aren't making an effort to abide in Him, we're like the twigs that fall off or are cut off the vine in pruning. What happens? Those twigs are gathered to keep the garden clean and they are burned because why? There is no life in them. They are not producing the grapes that they were intended to produce. Now, any time like anytime we're reading in the New Testament and we read about burning and stuff going away, fire, everybody goes, oh, Jesus is talking about hell. That's like the most important. We think about it, we're obsessed with it. But I want to tell you, Jesus is not pointing to hell here. Remember who he's talking to? You remember where they are? He's talking to his disciples. They're in the upper room. He's telling them the most important things they need to know prior to his crucifixion, prior to him leaving them. When, by the way, they thought there was no hope of him ever coming back. What, so what is Jesus focused on. It's not the destination of the twigs that Jesus is primarily concerned with. It is what caused them to be lifeless. That's what he's talking about in this passage of scripture. What caused them to be lifeless to begin with? He laments that they could have been fruit Producing branches on the vine of life, but they failed. Why did they fail? Because they didn't stay connected. They were disconnected from the vine. Apart from union with the vine, those branches could do nothing. So, The effort that is called for by grace is our effort to abide. It's what we need to do to follow Jesus' command to abide in Him. Look, our effort doesn't get us saved. Our effort doesn't ensure our salvation. What our effort does is ensure that we are cooperating with God's plan to bear fruit through us and for us to experience the life of immeasurably more that requires his power working in us and ultimately through us. So the effort required is the effort to abide in him, to remain in him. Now hopefully you're thinking, gosh, I wonder what that is. What is required? I'm going to give you two things today that I think the Scripture clearly teaches is required. First, to abide in Him, to remain in Him, we have to catch the wind. We have to catch the wind. Now, does anybody in here love to sail? Anybody? We have sailors? Okay. Okay. So I'm not a sailor. I don't, like, I couldn't run, get in a boat and make it happen. I mean, even today, the wind's good, right? I couldn't make that happen. But when I was in college, I was on, excuse me, I was on the waterfront staff of a sports camp in New Hampshire. Okay, and, and the camp was actually uh, made famous by Adam Sandler on Saturday Night Live when he sang a song about Camp Winnaki on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. We, we felt like we had arrived, kind of jumped into the cultural lexicon when that happened. That's exactly where I worked, okay? And I was on the waterfront staff, and, and on the waterfront the kids could swim, they could ski, and they could sail. Now, I worked with swimmers and skiers because I couldn't sail. But there were people on our team who had that skill and were great at it. So one day, one of them named James said, hey, we're, we're going sailing. I'm going to teach you to sail. And I, I I legitimately tried to do it and I actually thought it was fun. And in the process, I learned one most important lesson about Sailing, no matter how much the wind is blowing, if you don't catch the wind, you are dead in the water. You have to catch the wind to sail. The sail has to be hoisted correctly, turned in the right direction, in the right position. I don't know the words. I'm sure there are real words for this. I'm just communicating here, right? it's got to be positioned to catch the wind. The wind was critical to propel the boat forward, but the sails had to catch it, and what I learned was that was up to me. I had to figure it out. Now, what does this have to do with abiding in Jesus? I appreciate you asking. Sailing is actually a great metaphor for life with God. Because no matter how determined we might be to move, okay, no matter how determined we might be to change our hearts and our lives and our dispositions, at the deepest level, we can't do it alone. We can't move in Jesus or forward with Jesus without a power that comes from outside ourselves. No amount of determination can move us In Jesus without the wind and what is the wind the wind is the Holy Spirit of God that moves us do you remember Jesus discussion we've talked about it a couple of times recently with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the cover of night and Jesus breaks it to him that he can't even identify the things God are doing unless he's God is doing unless he's born again And as Jesus talks to Nicodemus about living in the kingdom of God, Jesus says that the wind of the Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit of God, he said, blows where it wishes. And Jesus put it, as he put it, we hear the sound of it, but we don't know where it comes from or where it's going. But guess what? We must catch it if we're going to live in the kingdom. Why? Because the Spirit of God, which came permanently to earth upon the ascension of Jesus, the Spirit of God was sent to help us stay plugged into the vine. The Spirit of God was sent to help us abide in him now later in his discussion with the disciples in the upper room as Jesus was explaining to them about his unfortunate departure he said this in John 16 beginning in verse 5 but now I'm going to him who sent me in other words I'm going home to the father but none of you ask me where are you going rather you're focused on your grief you're filled with grief Because I've said these things, that I'm leaving. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. And they're all thinking, how in the world can that be? Because unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the Holy Spirit is the advocate or the helper, is another translation that Jesus is referring to. What he's saying to them is the Holy Spirit will help us stay with Jesus even though Jesus wasn't going to be there physically. The Holy Spirit would enable them to abide with Jesus in his absence. He would help ensure, therefore, the life, the fruitful life of immeasurably more. The presence of the Holy Spirit ensures that the immeasurably more life is ours. But listen, we can't be passive observers. the wind of the Spirit is blowing. But we have to do our part to catch it. And in order to catch the wind, you have to draw the sail. In order to draw the sail, certain God-given, time-honored skills need to be learned and faithfully there are just some things we need to do to put the sail of our lives in position to catch the wind and none of these are surprises but they're critical if we want to catch the wind of the spirit we do so When we are faithfully reading the word of God. And by the way, it's not the verse of the day. It's not a verse that you bump into when you're cruising social media. It is what we are talking about here is the faithful, systematic study of God's word, both individually and in community. God's Word's the bread of life. If, if, you, if you thought about eating the way you consume the Word of God, would you be a healthy person? If you just ran by the cabinet and grabbed one little piece of bread periodically, just kept running? If you want to catch the wind... You've got to study the Word. We also catch the wind of the Spirit when we are spending time in prayer. You know what prayer is? It's a declaration of our faith in God. In prayer, we turn to God in times of praise for good things where we say, Thank you. I know that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Thank you. It's a declaration of faith. And it is a declaration of faith when we turn to God to intervene when things are not great. Okay, when we ask Him to bring His glory to bear in seasons of darkness. Prayer is crucial. And when we pray in the Spirit on all occasions, which is what the Scripture commands us to do, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. In other words, in good times and bad times. When we do that as the Scripture instructs, we are making space for God to reveal His goodness and grace around us. When we pray in His Spirit on all occasions, we are catching the wind. And all the while, the strength of our union is increasing. Finally, we catch the wind of the Spirit when we are engaged, committed to corporate worship, to the body of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen twenty, for where two... Or three gather in my name. There am I with them. Where's God? Right here? Right here. See, gathering in His name means that in His name means that we are gathered, with the intent of honoring him. With the intent of pursuing his character. And, by the way, demonstrating his character to the world we live in. When we are gathering in his spirit, under the leadership of his spirit, we, we do so to celebrate what Jesus did and... To make ourselves available for what Jesus is doing. And as he gathers with us, and we gather with him, our union with him is strengthened. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul exhorts us to keep in step with the Spirit. I believe that's just another way of saying Catch the wind of the Spirit in your sails and your union with Christ will be strengthened. Second, the effort of grace requires that we learn to manage the peaks and the valleys of our journey with Jesus. Requires that we learn to manage the peaks and the valleys in our journey with Jesus. As any sailor learns to navigate the waters, we must learn to navigate the waves of life. And abiding with Christ, our union with Him is like anything else we do in life. Okay, there, there will be times when we are riding high, when we have incredible momentum. And nothing can dissuade us from loving Jesus, obeying his commands, and serving his cause. That happens. And it's glorious. In those times, the truth is, not much is required. Like, anybody can do it, right? We we, we just kind of ride the wave. We are revived. We know we're abiding in him. There's fruit all around us to prove it. You know, we, we sing that song we used to sing in Vacation Bible School. I've got the joy, 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 where? Down in my, where? How's that go? I don't even know how the song goes, but you know the one I'm talking about. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. It's, it's the song of our soul when it's working. When we're riding the wave. But you know what happens to every wave? Every single wave crashes. It's the way life works. It's funny to me when I hear believers talk as if they expect to always be on the crest of the wave, to always live at the top of the mountain, as if somehow we have earned it or God owes that to us. It's not true. Every wave crashes, and when that happens, the peak gives way to the trough below and it is in those times that we typically don't feel the presence of god that we we know the wind's blowing but we're not sure where it's come from where it's going we're not sure how to catch it we're discombobulated in the trough we have no momentum we have very little motivation We don't have that joy, 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 joy down in our hearts. What we feel in those moments is probably better defined as indifference, apathy. You know, I I find it interesting that Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, remain in me at the crest of the way. He didn't say, remain in me when things are really going good and you're not frustrated and you feel the wind. That's not what he said. The message was to continuously abide in him. The fact of the matter is, anybody, anybody can abide with Christ on the crest of the wave. The real test, and might I say the real opportunity, To strengthen our union with Christ is found in the trough below. It is not on the mountaintop. It is in the valley. Worshipping, serving, loving God when we don't feel Him. When there's no momentum for the task. Listen. That's where progress is made in our union. That's where strength comes from. When our will to go with Jesus is as strong when we don't feel the wind as it is when we do, that's when we make real strides toward transformation. You know what James said to open his book? He said, Y'all, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because here's what we know. You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In troughs, we usually sink in despair. But what James is saying is turn that thought around. You've got to see it from God's perspective if you look at the possibilities, you can consider the difficult times you're in with pure joy. You must choose it. You choose to sing, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Why? We choose that joy because we know that if we make the effort to persevere, if we just search for the wind... And we're going to make great strides toward the life of immeasurably more. Listen, we, we don't make the wind blow. We just try to catch it. And catching it's up to us. It's an act of faith. And it's persevering with dutiful faithfulness when nothing in us wants to keep going. When everything in us is crying out for us to quit because we we don't feel the wind, we can't find God, things are falling apart all around us. It is moving forward, raising the sails and catching the wind. That completes us. That's when we become mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's when our union with Christ is strengthened and we become vessels of God's power who is working within us to do immeasurably, immeasurably more and working through us to change the world. I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus commanded them to remain in him right before he was leaving. Now You may find yourself on the crest of the wave. You're revived and riding high. You've got all momentum in your spiritual journey. But you know what happens to waves? You know what Jesus is saying to you right now? Remain in me. Stay with me. Be faithful. You might get disoriented and lose the wind. But keep raising the sail. Stay faithful. And some of you have, are in a position in your life where you've crashed off the top of the wave and the waves are crashing in on top of you and you're so disoriented, you're not even sure you can come up for air, much less seek the wind. Jesus is saying, remain in me. Stay faithful. Trust me. Trust me. Because my vision for you is still immeasurably more. And what I'm going to do is use this time of turmoil. I'm going to use these challenges. If you'll just persevere. I'm going to use these challenges to make you mature, and complete, not lacking anything. That's what He does. Remain Him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we love you, and then sometimes we don't. We want to love you, sometimes we're not sure how. But Lord, help us to remember that we love you because you first loved us. Lord, I, I pray. For anyone in this room today or that's watching online that doesn't know you, that their eyes would be open to understand that the the wind of the Spirit would be blowing in their hearts so they turn to you. They understand the word of Jesus, the work of Jesus, who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for the forgiveness of sin, Sins and was raised to life so that we could enjoy life. Father, if there are those that have not embraced that truth, I pray that today would be the day that they catch the wind and step into your grace. Lord, for those of us who have walked with you, For those of us who have accepted your amazing grace with our mustard seed faith I I pray Lord that we would resolve in our hearts to follow your lead to do everything we can to remain in you we want to be faithful to you because you're faithful to us It's in the very strong name of Jesus I pray.